you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Oh, you uh, got a nice winter scene going. I, I got BMW today. I had uh, you know, Fast and the Furious last week, so new exciting backgrounds. <laughs> exactly. I have enough Zoom that I can probably do a year, week by week. I don't know that I'll always remember to change it. I don't know that I'll remember to change it to something new. And yet we'll travel the world. We'll, we'll, we'll display new possessions like beavers and stuff right. like that. So, it, it, it's interesting, like a lot of things in the last year and a half, two years, technology has exploded in a lot of ways. And people are doing a lot more Zoom calls for work, for everything, visiting parents and kids and whatever. So the number of companies that went, hey, I can get, I can give them a free background. And then everybody that watches that video sees BMW. Here, please take it. Yeah. You know, I've had a thing for years. I don't wear a lot of shirts like this one I'm wearing right now that advertises a company or something. Because I'm like, they put their name on it. I paid for it to advertise for them. I'm like, I've always been weird about that too. I, I really don't like being somebody else's billboard, especially when it even goes to the other thing of the most expensive ones, the polo shirts or whatever like that are like, wow, that it's not that I'm, uh, you're defraying my cost. You're charging me more for yes. being your advertiser. But then, you know, I've also seen like there's replies to that where instead of having the, I don't know, the polo, they got a little crocodile on them. I think that was from JC Penny or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. It, it's funny, I really purposefully try to be very brand unaware so that when someone says, oh, that's Le Croc, they're very fancy. It couldn't tell you. Found it at the $5 bin because I... <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. And okay, if I'm going to get some, because admittedly, like this sweatshirt, I have literally had this for, I don't know, 18 years. And it still wears, what's a little exactly. warm, but it is a better quality made shirt. They're not all that way, but... I go to the thrift store and I'm like, oh, look, this $50 pair of pants is $3. That's right. Colleen, I have lots of nice clothing because Colleen dresses me better than I dress myself. So I've got a creme vieux. I got this beautiful maroon with stripes and it really is. It's nice. But it was also, it has worn very well. But even those things that eventually wear out after a while. And so that then I'm like, this is supposed to be fancy. And now I feel like I'm committing sacrilege by wearing it where Scott you know, a, a hole right where this thing joins together or something like that. And I don't know, I tend to, on, I don't tend to wear elbows, but I tend to just get it phrased on the seams or something like that. Or and this is, I have, I'm a big guy with big thighs and I have any number of like sweatpants that have worn out in the crotular area. Right. And then it's how bad am I going to let these get before I think I'm embarrassing myself in public? You get to that stage of okay they're green sweats i better wear the green underwear so that in case it does peak out it's not like white 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 and you know what i mean i would rather get more wear out of them than for sure avoid embarrassment no i'm right. just and also what do i really do nowadays i'm on the computer mostly i go brief local shopping i'm not going to work i would never wear these things in true public but it is funny where I, I wear this with a giant eagle and then I drop something in the aisle and it's, oh, I got to make sure that I am not um, 
co-facing somebody else because that'll be the reveal of my god that has just destroyed it's <laughs> the alan alan ball comedy show oh my and <laughs> i never let it get to that point where i'm actually like free and easy i'm actually outside my clothing and yet there must be times where you, you wear clothing you don't expect to be i'm gonna have to like like i said bend over run something like that and then you put it in a different position than just walking around so there have there really believe it or not america have been some clothes that a guy is willing to retire when they really become just like too dangerous too much a weird spectacle and i just don't want them i have had things where the pocket wears out and like the first time that i lose a coin or a pen through a pocket hole i get so pissed that i throw them away i just can't stand that idea of this is usually a secure thing and i never have to worry about it and it wasn't my wallet thank god but you want know, the minute that you get any kind of thing like that if i put keys in there those keys are going to continue to wear away at that existing hole until i might lose something important so there are some things and having said that i i like lounge pants you probably have noticed that you know, I, <laughs> I, I, in my various stages of my life i've been like mr blue jeans and then mr dockers and then i just probably wow almost 20 years ago now, got a pair of lounge pants, and that is, of course, pajamas. I call them lounge pants because what kind of a man would wear pajamas in public? But my younger brother got me one that has like happy faces or Dr. Seuss characters or something all over them that really are only for the inside. And I just, I don't think I'm a person that needs attention, but I just decided to wear them one day. And I got like compliments, sometimes maybe snide, but most of the time, like I really wore lounge pants. I see many people wearing them now. And I've never been the fashion forward guy. I've never been the one that was ever going to be a trendsetter. And yet, because I'm unembarrassable and because I like bright colors or the kinds of things I wanted to wear weren't like skull tobacco right. type things. <laughs> I don't advertise for those kinds of things. But if it was The Simpsons or Dr. Seuss or Marvel Comics or something like that, it's another fun little signifier right. of our, my relentless geekery that right. I really don't mind letting the world know that I think this is amusing. and. And now I see people wearing them and I've gotten not also once you start wearing them, then other people say, that's a gift idea right there, ain't it? So my brother-in-law, John, just for this last Christmas, I had given a list full of music, all the albums that I haven't gotten yet or box sets that I like and stuff like that. And he got me some of those, but he also got me four pair of lounge pants because he likes them too. And then he's the way I can get a cover is because Al wears them and then I'm allowed to wear them. <laughs> not allowed, right. he's also, but he just was, and he got me good ones. It wasn't like, Oh, no, right. Now I'm wearing John's taste. No, he got me Marvel Comics. He got me cool. I like interesting fractal patterns. I like cool color combinations. And how hardly ever does a guy think that he might be able to pick another guy's taste unless you just go with, I got you a t-shirt and I got you some jeans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. safe. I wear a tuxedo because every other guy is happy to be penguin number N. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but so I, a whole big screen about that, but it's funny once that started to catch on, the way to find those, a lot of what you just talked about, you don't find those at the high price store. You go to Target and Cole and where they have them for eight, 10, 12 dollars. Yeah, and sometimes they wear better than others. I've had some that I really did have to get rid of. Some I actually hurt, like where I tore a seam, and then I really didn't want to stop wearing them. One had a Christmas trees on them. And so these are like my December pants. So then what you go and you try to find like you know, I, I don't know how to sew well enough to attempt it. You go to a seamstress and see that'll be 10 bucks. But they cost me 10 bucks. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I have yeah. You, you three stuck. pairs of lounge pants that are in the to be fixed pile. But will I ever do it? Because it seems weird to put 
to double the price of them because I yes. blew them out. You know what That's I mean? That's the same same thing I've talked about with the tech. I could upgrade, but where's where does it cross the line from upgrading to I have a whole new computer now <laughs> with the That's same right. case? Exactly. And for the lounge pants. So we were Christmas shopping and I saw this pair of lounge pants that had ramen noodles. And that is like Jason's go-to. He'll eat ramen noodles four or five times a day. And I'm like, oh, if you this get is something perfect. that really suits someone, that's yes. a wonderful find. You so know what I mean? I go carrying them over to Gina. She pulls out the car. She goes, Look what I found for Jason. It was the ramen noodles. But oh, so you thing. both had the same psychic. Okay. Oh, it's even better. <laughs> she took Adam out, and Adam comes walking up and goes, Here, let's get these for Jason. And it was the same. It's, it's okay. You know, we know Jason. <laughs> I, this is. I wore, I have what, what the, the laughing pants. They're bright yellow and they have smiley faces all over them. So they attract a lot of attention. You don't expect to see a 300 pound canary walking around. I, Colleen and I were in Boston. Like she had had a conference or I had a conference, but we were both out there and we went to a comedy club one, one evening and they liked my pants well enough that they gave us free tickets to come back for another show. It's like, oh, we're not really live in Boston, but what a compliment to my parents yeah. that they're worth a free show how cool is that yeah so. that's pretty cool that's memorable okay let, i'm gonna bring this up and we we dance around the whole COVID thing a little bit we've mentioned it and stuff but i mentioned to you that i was listening to a podcast uh an author friend and she has family in new zealand and she went to visit the family in new zealand her and her husband which is one of the great things about as you're working for yourself remotely, contract-wise, you really can go anywhere if you have the right equipment. And not every job you can do that. But yeah. so well, for podcasting, sure you can. All you need right. is your laptop with the camera. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, and okay. writing and a lot of the coding now, you can just get into the servers. But anyway, she goes to New Zealand. Now, she was doing her podcast from a hotel room because when they got there, they were told, like, get in this hotel room. You are not allowed to come out for two weeks. We'll bring you food, leave it outside the door. You don't leave for two weeks. And I have heard that in New Zealand, other places, they're an island. They really can be isolated. Yes. And they have done that. The way they kept themselves to 0.05 COVID cases and, is because they clamped down. Yes. And that's the point. She was inconvenienced. Yes. They expected it. Yes. But it was more important to visit her family. But then they knew they weren't going to catch anything. And they weren't spreading it day by, and people are not dying on New Zealand anywhere right. because so of once this. Once you're out, it's back to normal because yes. it isn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's that what you and I have talked about that question of, yes, she's inconvenienced, but it's saving lives, it's helping the whole world. And how, if you tried to do that to people in America, it says, well, now you got to be quarantined. Their idea of quarantine is, well, I just ran down to the gas station real quick for cigarettes. Exactly. <laughs> So as, as Aline and I got it, we, from the family gathering at Christmas, we, we, someone had it, we got it. Luckily, we really seem to have had the Omicron instead of the Delta. So we had mild cases, but we both have tested possible on a, either a, a drive-through sent to a lab test or a home test. In fact, both of us have not done it through a lab. Luckily, for Colleen, it was a persistent cough. For me, it was congestion that I was snotty and stuff, but it never proceeded into the lungs. It never stole our senses. It didn't make us so headachy and fevery that we were like loopy. So thank God, no brain fog, no lingering effects so far as we can tell. But I, I have been in contact with my doctor as to should I come in? Is there anything that I should do besides get rid of it like a flu? Yeah, there's monoclonal antibodies. There's a new Merck pill, that kind of thing. 
and she went through the UHHS system, which is where I have my, my general practitioner. They don't um, subscribe to the monoclonal antibodies thing yet. There are providers around, but it wouldn't be covered by their referral. They won't give you a referral and it wouldn't be covered by insurance. The Merck pill, same thing, 700 bucks for the treatment compared to my life. Of course, I'm willing to pay 700 bucks, but they're not, it's not like I seem to have defeated it on my own with vitamin C and over-the-counter cough medication and stuff like that. But she also said, after you've had it, you can be contagious for, you can still have it in your system and maybe be contagious up to 10 weeks. And wow. so, well, that takes care of our first quarter. We have, we, we have had game night with other members of Colleen's family. And now, even if one of them is the one that gave it to me, I don't want to re-give it to them or give it to somebody that hasn't had it yet. So we really are facing a little bit what you said. Are we really quarantining? Fully masked and careful to touch nothing, I am still going out on provision runs. We're not only getting deliveries, and I'm, and I'm being very careful, but I am haunted by, I can't stand the thought that I might have been the one that carries it around. So I'm getting less and less. I, I can't, I have not been uh, quarantined. I really have gone out and I've tried to make, well, let's make one trip, not five. Let's go to one place right. and get everything you need. And yet that the weird mind flip of I was totally careful and not wanting to get it. And then I got it. And now I feel bad about myself. I feel filthy. I feel, you know, I, there's a, um, psychological studies that say that some people really have a sense of disgust more than others. If you put a plate of food on top of a closed trash can, some people can eat it because, Hey, it was on top, not in, but other people, the minute it's near the trash can, they're like their, their reptile brain overcomes their thinking brain. And I really must have some part of that because I really don't like to think of myself as affected guy, someone who right. might give it to somebody else. And, and so I'm fighting that. I'm not so concerned now about myself. We seem to have gotten through it. Man, I don't want to be typhoid out. I just can't right. stand the thought. Oh. And that's the, that's the <laughs> so big I, thing that it gets so frustrating is one, the people that say, oh, it's not true. Oh, they're fake. They're fooling us. Okay, that is like the, the biggest damn conspiracy ever in the world. If every doctor, every politician, <laughs> every news person that we heard in the world is altogether lying. Uh, and for what reason? Is it benefiting every single news anchor to lie? And that's the first thing. So then number two, they tell you things like, I'm not going to wear a mask because uh, it's my right. It's, oh my God. It, or I, I demand to be in your store because it's a, no, it's not public. It's privately owned folks. They, they can tell you to get the hell out. They can right. choose not to serve you. And they have all kinds of things they say that make no sense, but it doesn't stop them. And it, it's my choice, my body. And yet they're wearing pro-abortion uh, stickers on their car or that something like that. Yeah. And, right. and, but I'll, I've heard so many stories of these people are like, yeah, we went to a family party. We were having a good time. My wife started feeling sick in a couple of days. She's in ICU and then she died. Folks, get the vaccine. And now it's a little late to be saying that because people oh. are dying because of you. That's the frustrating part. And we talked about this. They, they just don't care. And they're not smart enough to listen to the rationalization and the science behind it. It's you know, frustrating. I, 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 wow, probably, what are we about two years in? Let's say a year and 11 months ago, I, I coined the term unreachables because it really was like that already. It's not only about this pandemic. It was about vaccination in the first place. It was about global warming. You've seen a similar post where, yeah, this conspiracy theory about global warming apparently includes 
every single scientist, every single other country than the United, you know what I mean? Like that the amount of data that you have to overcome, I don't, if you believe in math, you believe in global warming. There's just no question that it's happening. Here's a thousand charts in every way. And so about voting rights or about suppression of voting rights, you can name half a dozen issues where you can't present them with enough data, enough facts and reality that they will change their mind. And so then what do you do? You hope that segment of the population is the crazy 2% or the, it seems that the unreachables are, so virulent unreachables are 10% and the people that want to belong to that tribe of freedom or own the lib or whatever else it might be, that's nowadays at 40%. The reason that there's such, one of the reasons that there's such a political divide in the country is that it's not slight differences in how we should pursue solving a problem together. It's, is there even a problem? And, and if there is a problem, I want you to have it. I want these other people to be punished by God, to be punished by being a, a, a liberal. It's ridiculous the amount of stuff that has happened to make it so that it's not even worth the discussion in so many ways. And especially as a politician, it's not worth the discussion. It is just a matter of get the vote. We have to get this done. We have to fix our roads and, and our bridges. We have to put out testing and treatment for the pandemic. The reason that we're here, the reason that I call it COVID-45 instead of COVID-19, is because we had a pandemic response team and they handled as Ebola and SARS and whatever else was trying to get into our country. We were we were far more porous than New Zealand, but we had pretty good protocol. And Trump disbanded all of that. So our initial overreaction to what he kept calling the Wuhan virus was because we didn't do any of the checking. We didn't do any of the isolating and quarantine when we found something. It was all disinformation and just shambling from non-solution to non-solution, but never taking on the way you deal with the pandemic is you quarantine the people that you have it and you distribute the cure and you make sure you reach herd immunity as soon as you can. You don't wait for 800,000 people to die. You don't say things that will include the impressionable, the unreachable, to give them the arm, the armament to say, I'm just not going to do it, no matter how good the vaccine is, et cetera. So we're so much in this problem of our own make, making, and and I, I we've said this before too, God, I don't want anybody to die of this. But if someone's going to die, I want it to the people that brought it on themselves. Darwinism. I just can't stand the fact that all of us, all the healthcare providers, all the store clerks, all the restaurant workers, you and me, we're all at risk because of this incredible stubbornness and this incredible selfishness. And so it's like it, die then. Die, get it over with, get out of the way. Right. You know, at least this way, you'll be less around to infect me. You'll be less around to vote crazies in that won't do anything about it. You know what I mean? You'll be less on the school boards trying to make our kids not learn how medicine works. Right. There are ripple effects throughout society that we really have to get rid of the mad dog. When the mad dog comes running down the street, you don't try to convince it. You shoot it and keep it from getting to your children. No, don't go shooting anybody. Please don't go. That's, it's an analogy. The virus to shoot the comet yeah. that's coming at the Wait, planet. You no. know, don't look up. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. Don't don't blow up that asteroid because we could mine it and make trillions of dollars. It's, I, as I talk about some of the costs of these things, right now the government is handling this quite well with, yes, there's about to be many billions from what I understand, COVID tests available so that everybody can get home testing and stay safe. And they've already made it so that you can get the vaccine 
with, with or without insurance, from what I understand, so we can all get to safety. There's the Shrekellies of the world. Did I say his right name? Shrekelli, I think it is, that did the insulin price increase 50 times as much as it used to be, where there's war profiteers. There really are people that are going to go into that situation, not try to cure it. They're loving having this opportunity in the middle of chaos to fucking pound people for money. And so I don't want to think that the Merck pill is based on how much money can we make. I think it's because it costs a lot to develop it, and that price will come down over the course of time, and that capitalism will kick in, and it won't be just Merck. It'll be Pfizer and Moderna and whoever else has been developing, and we'll see price competition bring it down. But you can learn things from these times as to was their first response to give away the polio vaccine to make sure that everybody could get cured, or was it, well, we're going to stockpile things and release them a little bit at a time because that's the way to make money. Right. And I don't know that I have any particular company that I accuse or unaccuse of those kinds of things, but there has to be investigative reporting going on to see who was with us and who was against us. Right. You know what I mean? Who's who's about, you can't talk about how you're a right well, to life person. But even that, <laughs> but even that, and it's so jumbled, who do you believe because I know people that say, no, they reported it on Fox News. You go, are you against a news agency? Yes. Okay, but they re- said Fox, yes. <laughs> but that's the thing. We've always told our kids to listen to the authorities and investigate it. The news, well, we've got the news outlets, but they're totally biased now. It, it's very difficult to know. And my, my, you know what, okay. though? I don't think it's difficult. I think it's just no, a I, bit more yes. than it has been. There are all kinds of studies, not studies, regular immersive things that are continually monitoring the news media. You probably have seen, who is it? Ad Fontes puts out the cool pyramid looking thing that says on the basis of factualness and on the basis of bias, who should you be listening to? Right. And it isn't InfoWars out here. And it is, there's wackos at the left and right, but in the middle, there really is Reuters, which is pretty much vetted news and unbiased. Exactly. Yes. Go to these but, sources up top. You but know? that's my point, though, is you get the people that will find the one that is reporting what they want to hear and listen, and then they'll say uh-huh. that that's more my point. And like for right. example, my uncle who does not did not get the vaccine does not want the vaccine, even though his neighbor died from COVID. This is the other thing, and you mentioned the home test. His neighbor died from COVID, but they said no, he had cancer. That's what killed him, and. Gina works with people that said they got tested. It's on their record. They had COVID. She said, no, I didn't really have COVID. That's not actually it. And so they're, they, why get the home <laughs> test if you just go, it's not true? I, I hear you. Before I use the term unreachable, I've seen the term fact-resistant human because it really <laughs> is that there's all that kind of like how, so I talk about this. I, I believe in consumer report. I think that the way to be able to know how good something is to have an unbiased source test it out look at all the different factors and say, here's a good car, here's a good washing machine, et cetera, et cetera. That information has been out for 100 years. It's been available to us for 100 years. And yet you still have Suzuki Swift that flip over in a turn and someone sees it and goes, that's a a sharp looking automobile. I think I'll buy that one. Make sure it's in black because that's macho. And like, but it's a death trap. It's the Corvair. It's it's the the Pinto that works in the flames when you ram it. Don't you care about a little bit of what you care about yourself, what you care about your family's going to be in that car with you, what you care about not buying, name the product that does have, some things have hazards and some things are safer and some things are just more effective. I want a laundry detergent that's going to clean my clothes and not look like candy to my children so they don't pop a Tide Pod in their mouth. 
and there's well, too many examples of where people really do, as you're saying, talk themselves in or out of something and just won't budge once they get. Well, Carl Sagan went into it a lot in a number of his books about how getting people scammed is a lot easier than to convince them they've been scammed. They just won't let go. It's right. ego death. It's I, I made a mistake and they can't. Come laugh. on, we're talking about some of the same people <laughs> that are disgruntled because they can't smoke inside a building now. So they stand right outside the door. So you have no choice but to walk through it. And even though there's signs that say 25 feet away, they're like, yeah, it's my choice. I don't want to smoke elsewhere. Too bad for you. Blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. This is the same. Steven, you're you're running down. It's kind of funny. You're running down my list of what I thought were the signs. <laughs> Think of how bad drivers are. How many bad drivers are that don't check what's going on around them, that are hyper aggressive, that oh, yeah. blame others for their mistakes. That's the mindset that's going into what we're having problems with pandemic and global warming and with smoking. Since the 60s, 60 years now, two generations of people, we've had absolute proof that it leads to lung cancer. And we still have people that can't stop themselves because they're addicted. We'll argue about how bad it is for you because I had an uncle that smoked for 60 years and he died of uh, an auto accident instead of lung cancer. But so you don't get statistics, you don't get numbers. And I, there's just too many examples of, if I can't convince them with facts and statistics, what's the mimetic game that I have to play so that I can penetrate in? And there's really good people at messaging, at memetics that are like, let me tell you a story. I don't need to hit you with the number is 88%. Let me tell you a convincing story that's going to hit you in your emotions, in your reptile brain. If I can't convince you that it's about yourself, then maybe it's about country. It's about God. It's about protecting your family. What are the deep things that might matter to you and sneak the truth in on you by linking it to that? Because they sure are good at linking terrible things to those causes. You know what I mean? When we have, you must have seen them, there's ads going on in Ohio for Bernie somebody that calls himself proudly a Trump Republican. We have to build the wall. We, he, he was a legal immigrant, so let's keep all the illegal immigrants out. And just the whole litany of that's not, none of that is true. They don't cost us more in healthcare. They aren't more, they aren't the rapists and criminals. All of what he says is all so fear based and right. so ugly about how to hate. And yet, those advertisements, somebody's happily paying for them. And if he gets in, we're going to continue that terrible litany of, like, how much of a fence does Ohio need? You mean to keep out West Virginia? You mean to keep out, you know, like, we're not, how is Ohio caring about what's, oh, the right. fact that he's on now, a year before the election, every time that we watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, our, our guilty pleasures, why are we getting horrible ads from this guy? Shouldn't they have some standards for you're a show about facts, Jeopardy. Don't let this nut bar on. <laughs> is, is that the guy that was the uh, Secret Service agent for Trump? And he quit. Maybe it's a different guy. He was a Secret Service agent for Trump. He quit and he has a radio show now with nine million some viewers. And his whole platform is they're setting things up to get the truth out so that the Republicans are prepared to take things back in 2024. That's his thing. So I don't know if it's the same guy, but the fact that there's not only one guy that we have to worry about that's saying that kind of stuff, the, the election was stolen. No, proof after proof that the vote counts were good, that the only people who were committing vote fraud were the bad guys, the Republicans, not the good guys, and that everywhere that there was a fair election, the right thing happened. Biden won, and convincingly. And now what they're trying is what they've always tried, not to have better policies and convince the public of those better policies. It's 
How do we do voter suppression? How do we make it so there's laws on the books now that say, if the electors don't agree with the result of the popular vote, they can vacate it and vote how they want. And that used to just be called a, an unfaithful elector. Now they're making it, and I use the term wrongly, it's not the elector. It's like the governor or a panel of people, maybe the Congress for that state, that they can overturn election results. That's not democracy. That's not republicanism. That's not anything but a banana. It's, it's, it's everything that they're accusing everybody as like a negative turn. Oh, those <laughs> fascists. Oh, and they have no idea what it really means and what would designate somebody as a fascist. They just yeah, throw it out because anything. it's evil and bad. And then right. they turn around and do exactly what they're because they're, they don't know uh, what they're really saying and they don't know what it really means. One of the things I've had to come to grips with, and maybe this is early on, I think I've talked a little bit about, I had some bad things happen in college, but thank God they happened early when the stakes were small, because that's when I first discovered just what liars people could be, how <laughs> shameless they could be in their lies, and how for a seemingly small reward, they were willing to really fuck somebody over, really like the 30 pieces of silver that they were willing to accept for a betrayal. It, it was so small that it was like, wow, this isn't even climax of a book I've read where there's a huge betrayal and it changes the course of the war. No, this is, if I can just get a little more popcorn, I will fuck somebody over. And I didn't want to believe it. But after you've seen a couple examples, and then you get a little bit more attuned to, all right, this new person is sounding a lot like the old person in terms of a little snakiness, and there's a little too much fervor in ways that it doesn't match the gravity of the thing. It gave me good defense mechanisms, and they didn't always work. But when I got screwed over doing my development of trading systems and stuff like that, people had learned to wear the suit. They had learned to talk very politely, and yet we're getting a lot of that. What you said about, can we trust media? You can't trust everybody that looks handsome or pretty in a nice suit or a nice dress on the television because you've got people that are willing to just look you right in the eye and lie to you and read copy that they've got to have a glimmer that this is not true. It doesn't match all the other available facts. It doesn't, it's meant to incite instead of to explain. You get that. There's, people are, I don't know, people are willing to really do awful things, not because they don't care. It's, it's there's more um, sociopaths than I ever expected there to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever that thing is about, not quite dark triad, where it's about only narcissism and manipulation, Machiavellianism, that but they really are, it's like a little monkey that will steal fruit from another monkey. You know what I mean? It's a primate behavior. It isn't about whether they should do it or not. It's can they get away with it. Are they, and I have to admit that a lot of humanity, 50% is like the level of decent. And for the 50% above, yay, for the Desmond Tutus and the, and 50% are not. They're on the make. And sometimes they're on the make all the way to crimes we had to make a crime so that we would stop people from doing it again it, by putting them in prison you know what it, 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 <laughs> it just it comes back it almost reminds me a lot and i didn't i wasn't really a part of this i was too young I, i've just seen the, the stuff but this kind of reminds me of the whole way of thinking of when the soldiers came back from vietnam and people were yelling at them and spitting on them and stuff it wasn't their fault they were doing their job they were soldiers protecting their country protecting they were the people they yeah. had to go that's exactly and right. we've changed our attitude on that and people have realized the problem and mistake but it's that same thing again is people are that type of thinking it just keeps coming back around and, around and 
I, I, I half jokingly the other night told Gina, I says, maybe that's the problem that we haven't had a good world war in too long. We've had several crises, Afghanistan and after the towers and everything else, but it was not a, a war. <laughs> and I don't mean that to help the, all the warmonger profiteers either, but there's, it's, we're, we, we, everything just keeps dividing us. And when the towers fell, it brought us together. It's, I don't know what's happened since then. You know, what well, changes? It brought us together in terms of really hating the fact that it happened. But what were some of the first things that happened? Let's get anybody in a turban. And like yeah, the, that, the, yeah. the most peaceful people on the planet were mistaken for having been the Arab that well, did it. And oh my God. And people I mean, started going after like Japanese. What, what the heck? What, that, that was Pearl Harbor a hundred and some years ago. Whatever. It's just stop. It's really tough to read current history without realizing how manipulated we have been so many times. We Back in the 50s, John Foster Dulles, we, we don't have just bad guys currently. We've had them all throughout history. And the number of regimes that we overthrew, the number of puppets that we put in place, the amount of money that exchanged hands or wars that we started CIA-wise, it's horrible and startling. And I have not been able to think well of the United States in a while. Recently, just us talking about, hey, we, we're going to go after the wrong country, not the country that really bombed those towers you just mentioned, but because we just don't like this guy and we've decided we need to focus for all this hate, all this anger, all this opportunity to make money, and we, the confluence of all that, you know what I mean, that how much money was spent there, that bail of money were like we, lost in the desert. We can get somebody no going on there. We can and, get somebody in there that is more on our side so we get better deals on the oil and all of us politicians that are involved with making money will make even more money. You know, I'll tell you what, do you think that happened? One of the things that I really hate about our current situation is if they had gone in and this is a terrible thing to say, done what you said, taken over the Middle East to make sure that we could all have um, more, less oil prices, OPEC ceased to exist and that we control it all. That's not what happened at all. They did not guarantee an oil supply to a country. It wasn't a national defense thing. They, <laughs> they did enough to make it so that we got to maintain our macho posturing, <laughs> but our all kinds of deals being cut in the background so right. that it's still the same sultanates and emirates that own all that oil and therefore all that wealth. And they've turned that into influence. They get to kill, who was it? A reporter by beheading him and Nobody got extradited for that. They didn't even capture them while they were in a place we could do that. They let them go back to their country. It, we didn't do diplomatic relation things that say, hey, we don't really cotton to you killing <laughs> United States right. citizens. I, the, the reek of corruption in so many of those situations, I, I don't have any solutions or any great explanations. I, I agree. The amount of money that's involved nowadays is so spectacularly large that it explains why we had the Panama Papers and then the Pandora Papers, all the proof of all the despots and rulers. And it's not just third country world country people. Right. It's all kinds of people in the first world that are hiding money in the Grand Caymans and the Isle of Man and whatever else it might be. But there's so much money that they can just splash around to pay off everyone, to buy silence, kill those who won't give in. How many reporters have you read about that got car bombed because they were, and how many right. people were poisoned yeah. with plutonium and how many... There's just such incredible influence now that comes from money and fanaticism that 
all I, as a little tiny citizen, can do is steer clear. My saying this in a recorded you know, podcast is like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's am true. I, I, well, thank thank I, God we don't have 7 million listeners. because Here's my thinking at th- mostly. I, I've got a friend who's very politically involved. He tries to keep up. He tries to vote good. He tries to go to whatever to support what he believes in and all that. I think that's great and wonderful. But I also think personally that it's mostly a waste of his time because anything he does is not really influencing any of those politicians. Nothing he does is going to make them change any of their policies or anything if it's going to benefit them in some other way. Because there's other companies, there's other groups there's a, that are like, hey, you know that bill for the space program? We want this warplane added on to it so we can get that to go either get that or stop the space thing. So they add it on. It has nothing to do with it, but it gets added on. So then it gets killed by everybody. Oh, good. We won. Right. Or, yeah, of the, or yeah. some lobbyist or some group says, hey, uh, we really want this bill. Here's an extra $500 million. Me going to a lobby in Columbus, a rally in Columbus, doesn't affect anything. I don't care who stops. I don't care who stops and says, yay, good for you guys. We love you. We're voting for the, the people. We're listening to you. They're not. It, it just so happens that that rally coincided with this company that gave them $500 million. Yay, look, we did what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, what an but, amazing coincidence. Exactly. Yeah, and and the, the people around me, there's nothing I'm going to do or say that's going to make them go, oh, man, you're right. I see that. They either already think that or they don't. And that's the end of it. I, yeah. I've got a friend. He's flying, not a friend anymore, really, uh, a friend's father. He is flying the American flag upside down because he doesn't feel he's in America. I'm like, then leave. Get on a plane, <laughs> go somewhere else, and you have that choice. But you seem to be staying here. You seem to be enjoying the house you purchased with the job you have. It's such a contradictory thinking on that. It's you know what? Let's geek it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it really, it's, and, and honestly, because it's a good segue. One of the series that I really have come to enjoy is called Repairman Jack. Yes, you mentioned Rose. it a bit last week. Exactly. And they, the reason I first found them was because there was a great pull quote on one of the books that Stephen King says, one of my favorite summer reads or something like that, that they're deeper than just a beach book where it's meant to be fluff. But the premise is that there's a guy that is people's last resort. When somebody has really been screwed over by the system, by a criminal, by dark forces, if you will, you can call repairman Jack and he'll equalize somehow. He'll steal back what was stolen from you. He'll make them feel pain so that there's it's either justice or revenge based on what has happened, if you will. You'll find kidnapped people, et cetera. And there's, wow, 15 or 20 books that are a series of those adventures. Mystical, because it does have influence of the Rakasha, you know, demons out of India are somehow involved. They tie into what he calls the adversary cycle, where it's also, there's been vampires and, if you will, forces of light and darkness that have been on the planet for a long time, and they involve human beings and some eternal beings in this eternal war. So he really has what he, what's called like the secret world book that goes into all of this. The reason it of course applies to this is we need a repairman Jack. Maybe there really are people that are like, if I got screwed over in my job by a bad boss. He harassed me. And then because I said something, they didn't listen to the whistleblower. They got rid of me. There's got to be someone you can call and say, find out the real information and make sure that the entire public knows about it. And what if the public doesn't do anything about it? 
then make sure that this guy, you name it, gets hurt somehow to yeah. make up for how he wrecks someone's life very willingly, very evilly. And so the books have, while the other big adventures are going on, there's all kinds of those little comeuppance, you know what I mean? And I know I've read in other series, and I'm not sure it doesn't come to mind, it's a military mindset that you know that you have to stay within your mission parameters, that you're given a job and you do that job and you really can't fight the entire war. But it's also, there are certain things that not within my sight. You know what I mean? You have principles, you have ways you have to be, and you can't turn away once you see a crime, know your duty, know that something has to be fixed. Well, there's, I've read about that, that people will put themselves at great risk because instead of putting their head in the sand, they will stand up. And we need a little bit more of that too. You know what I mean? I know that I speak up and put myself at risk more often than I should when something's going wrong in a situation. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'm not speaking for myself. I'm like, everybody's going to let themselves get out into silence by this monster? No freaking way. I not not be the fight, but the 10 of us can fight. I'll just be the one to speak up. And sometimes because of my size, I am the guy that steps up. Because <laughs> I can't stand it. So I'm hardly that. I'm not Mac Bolin, the executioner, with my war against the mafia. But there's also things about, you know, think globally, act locally. We don't want the world to slide into crime, into corruption, and so forth. And so at least you can do, here in my little patch, I am going to grow flowers. And I am going to stop this guy from running them over with his car. There's got to be things that we can do just to maintain our sense of, I'm a good person. I'm a good human being. And don't let those things that you become aware of just say, I'm helping. No, don't learn to be helped. You have to stand up. If you don't stand up, you don't stand a chance, as Genesis said. So it's got to be true. The Genesis, the band, not the book, by the way, to be clear. I more often quote Genesis, the band. <laughs> so, so there's, it really is, I, I can't think of it, but there's other characters similar to that. That I, I just, I can't let that go. I got, and people right. like that because it's the fantasy. It's, I wish I could. It's the lone wolves. Yeah. Often Jack, Jack Reacher is one of them. You know what I mean? There's I orphan books by Greg Hurwitz. Really love them. A guy that really was like, used to be an assassin and finally got out because he was asked to do one thing too far. And so it's, wow, how do you get redemption when you've already done 30, 40, 50 right. of them? But then he's a perfect weapon, right? He knows how to do all this stuff. And now the fact that he's being turned not on people for whom a profit you know, can be made from, but on people that are doing the ordering, the killing in the first place. Yeah. Like the, you start to clear out the corruption using the weapon that might have allowed it to exist in the first place. And that's a good American feeling. Right. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. And it's actually, those are popular for the same reason Harry Potter is, because we can empathize and relate to them and it gives us that fantasy of boy i really need somebody that could go stop my neighbor from revving their engine at 3 a.m and take exactly. care of it it's, it's that type comic of book line comic book vigilantes yeah. have been around for a long time and whatever that <laughs> uneasy detente that they have that man wasn't always like cooperated with by the police he was pursued by because right. you know what i mean he's taking the law into his own hands you start to see that kind of why do i agree or disagree with some of the things that we see going on here. I don't want riots. I don't want people breaking stuff up and stuff like that. But what I don't want even more is someone putting themselves into the riot situation and acting as if he's then only defending himself when he's the one that put himself at risk. And it wasn't vigilante justice because justice doesn't enter into it. It sure seems to be 
nobody has a gun that doesn't want to use it. And he found his turn. So yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse, fully acquitted, and yet that's not just. So what happened there is a terrible tragedy. And I know I've read legal opinions that say, um, once you put yourself in harm's way, you lose self-defense. You put yourself there. You didn't find yourself in a bad situation. You sought out the situation. Then you can't claim <laughs> the, way, the way to do self-defense right. would have been stay the hell out. He traveled across state lines with a borrowed gun. I don't see how that fits. Oh, that poor boy being caught in that bad. That's vigilante oh, wow. revenge. That, yeah. Like you said, that's been Batman back and forth. And and people, I know people would say that back in the 70s, oh, Dungeons and Dragons is introducing kids to the occult and teaching them magic and all this. And Batman, people go back and forth. He's evil because he's vigilante. He's teaching our people to take their take what they think is right into their own hands. Oh, you let that shopping cart go and it dinged my car. Well, I'm going to bash your brains. That's, but that's, but they're missing really the point. They're just taking what they want out of what Batman was. He always had that honor to stand still in a corrupted society and controlled by the criminals. And the idea of proportionate justice, you don't go to a jaywalker and blow them away. They've actually had characters, one called the fool killer that was like that for next to nothing, little crimes. He went maniac and was shooting people and saying justice is served. And so it's wow, that holds that mirror up really well to how what are we buying into when we say that lone wolf vigilante justice is okay? No, there has to be a sense of proportion. Let the punishment fit the crime. You don't kill someone because they right. stole a little bit of money or whatever else it might be. And and the real courts have to contend with that. Someone, you know, Lem is a rob is based on you stole a loaf of bread to feel your family and then you went to prison for how long, a decade or whatever it was it's we are always contending with that and in fact boy this is such a huge topic cancel culture often says it's yes or no it's right or wrong it's right. one or zero if you do anything the only way to do it is the nuclear option or whatever term you want to use for this but our whole system of justice is based on there are different size crimes there are different numbers of years you go away or fines you have to pay based on what you did and it really is that a robbery or a burglary is crime of property. But when you harm a person, it's worse. And, and or rape right. a person, or when you do uh, harm from you know a hundred people at once, it's worse. And so you can't take one standard and apply it across everything because there really has to be proportion and nuance. And there's mitigating factors. And stuff. But people rush to judgment or so much have revenge instead of justice in mind, or whatever the reasons are. This is happening. But it, maybe it's that feeling of helplessness. And when they finally can do something about it, boy, they got a whole bunch of built up anger that they're going to unload on Pe- People forget <laughs> you're innocent until you're proven guilty. We're going too much to the guilty unless you're proven innocent. And, right. You know, tried in social media, not tried in the court. Like, I've, I've brought this up and said it, and we've seen it with Johnny Depp being probably the big prominent example. He was kicked out of jobs. He lost acting jobs. He was just ripped apart online. All these news articles because Amber Heard said how abusive he was. How the, Now, I, am not, I haven't been around him to know. Maybe he right. is. Maybe he has anger. Maybe he does some of this. But it came out that she basically lied. And everyone condemned right. him, but he really hadn't done anything to her, at least not to the degree she said. I'll give it that That's much. Right. But everyone, he's guilty. Oh, my gosh. I'd never watch a Johnny Depp movie. Okay, but you're wrong. <laughs> that's, yeah, and I, I say this it. because that's what I lived through. 
I, I lived through this. I had I could have been completely pariahed from Boy Scouts, from the Girl Scouts, from martial arts, from my friends because of what my ex did. And and I don't think people. I think what it was enough people understood she wasn't quite right in the head and they believed me and trusted me. So that helped. And I got ahead of it that helped, but it was the same situation. I I was like, at first, what am I going to do? I'm done. My life is over right now. (laughs) Right. If this is what stands funny, I don't really talk that much nowadays about she must not be named because it's 20 years ago. You're she that must not mine. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And what am I saying? It's not 20, it's 30 years. You know, we, we, split in 92. But while things were weird, and I was seeing what happened, and now how she'd talk about it with her mother, and that it wasn't at all the, the fact, it wasn't the truth. When I saw you say that she did all kinds of terrible stuff, so a little bit, to, once again, we find parallels, the things that she accused others of doing was what she was doing, and yet, by being the one to say it first, by being vehement about it, that was her smokescreen for what was going on. Yep. So the accusations of what a bad guy I was, it's like, who do I have to talk to, collect evidence for, make sure that my the image I had of my divorce proceeding was going to be, here's sweet little blonde, she must not be named, in her pinafore dress, and big football player hulking Al. And he's going to be like, why don't we just throw this guy under the jail? I believe everything that she says and fuck. And only because I have a pretty good reputation for not being like that, did my friends believe me and listen to what I was saying about what's really going on. He's throwing things at me. He's, I, boy, I don't want to say anything about it. I'm so happy that that chapter of my life is over. But I sure had that taste of what you're talking about. I really don't know that I can get to proving the truth here, I need to get out of this situation because it's only going to get worse. And I don't want to be the person that, am I trailer trash? Am I really a person that we're going to have our neighbors hearing us yelling at each other? I am not trailer trash. She's assisting me in getting to that. So forever. In my personal life, I, I took care of that. There isn't a problem. But court was completely different because around here, they totally believed everything she said and i basically had to prove oh and it cost me we went to court eight different times we'd i'd have to refile go to court several times go to mediation several times do this that and then okay it's final add it on our divorce paperwork is so thick because of all the (laughs) adjustments and stuff and they still don't especially when they lawyer up and get an opportunistic lawyer who's more than happy to to grill you to throw you on the grill she totally knew how to work the system if she didn't follow what was in the divorce decree but if she yelled and screamed if i wasn't following what she thought and she was wrong many times then i would be in trouble and basically told you better do it if she didn't do something they'd say we're gonna have to go back to court and talk about it the first thing they'd say is you're not agreeing on this so go to mediation i'm like wait a second it says right right here she has to do a b and c she has not done a b and c okay we'll go back to mediation and talk about it wait a minute she's not doing what we already went to mediate what am i missing here and so it so that's where like you said we need somebody that could step in uh and help the common person and that's the fantasy book I'll tell you, all that terrible stuff, luckily, happily in our path. Yeah. I am so happy nowadays. Like I said, funny, I once was at a party where uh, 
people were talking about, so what are you looking for in, in a man or a woman? And many things were physical characteristics. One guy said serenity, stability. And a whole bunch of women bristled about that because that's a pretty loaded term, stability, if you will. But I came to understand what he was talking about. Aline in our life is so pleasant. It's so even keeled. We both think and feel the same level of things. There's no hiding anything. There's no getting angry about anything. There's just, we're really well suited for the temperaments that we have. And I didn't always have that. I've had um, in the past, some people that rushed to judgment or that were vengeful or whatever else it might be. And man, when you can't go home, when your home is not a haven, your life is fucked. And I just didn't have that for a while. And now I have it in spades. Us getting through all this COVID stuff, being around each other all the time, we don't wear on each other. When we go on our road trips and we're like one foot away from each other for eight, six, eight hours in the car, hiking, all the things we do, we just don't get tired of each other. We love that. And I think you might have found that with Gene, right? That I'm hoping that you have that same joy of you have enough that you both like and enough different, but you just have that even keel and that space for each other and regard, trust, all the things that they talk about in relationship books. So you got to respect each other. And I... She is just such, she's so brilliant. She's so beautiful. She's diligent. She, there's like the top 20 characteristics you want to have in a person. She's got them. And I try to be worthy of that. So I hope that she sees those things in me as well. And I just, it must be terrible to be like, wow, I was two years into the marriage and I decided I loved her, but I didn't live like that. You know what I mean? You just, you well, know. <laughs> the big consolation after we were done with everything, she was engaged, not just dating, but engaged to three different men in one year got married and nine months later was filing for divorce. And when I actually knew the guy, cause we graduated together. And so after it was all done, I asked him what went on. He's like, uh, it, she just changed. It was like, she was trying to get me mad to uh, argue with her. And she like yeah. was pushing me, trying to get me to actually get physical against her and stuff. And he said all the same things she used to do to me. And oh. And I'm like, okay, so justification. Because she saw it work. She got away with next to murder. Yeah. And and then she's, well, round three, round five. We've known people that are like married and divorced three times. And it's, boy, how did she convince three different guys? Because the guys didn't consult beforehand? Because right. the warning flags came out early enough? You know what I mean? It really right. is. It's amazing that the serial marriers, that it's, but then the ending is very similar. <laughs> right. Yes. And, you know, it's like, yeah. wow, they did the same crap. They They've learned. Well, every time I do this, I get a house. Every time I do this, I and it's I don't think it's mercenary. I think it's much more deep seated than that. There's yeah, there's, there's, there's psychologically like, things yeah. that we could yeah. go on about. So let me ask though, we're getting we're so ungeeky today. People are like, know, this is like these confessional guys? day instead yeah. of geekery. I'm so sorry. you said repairman Jack, there's 50 books. How many no, of 15, you 15 to 20? 15. I think there's yeah, and and um Another one of those things that I came in late to the series, there was already like 10 of them out. And then I went back and read, and of course I had to read them in order because he really does great work at including what has gone before and moving things forward and things, creatures, incidents, they matter, they reappear, they impact the future. And in fact, I think he even he would often in the back say, there's what I have planned for the future. The last two or three books were what was called a river novel. I don't know that I intend to come to a conclusion in the book so much as just stop and you know what the, the page one of the next book is going to be <laughs> so right after the last thing here and it was the big rush to night world to where 
the bad guys get the upper hand and are they really going to be able to come through so they they're really high quality and he also has a new series out now sometimes we talk about this it isn't only you like that series you come to trust the author that they're producing good things so f paul wilson is now writing a, the panacea books where they're not a medical mystery but there's a cure-all that figures into it and he's using a little bit much like michael Crichton. He looks at what are technological issues that we're going through. Can we cure anything? Um, what species on the planet are intelligent or not? Maybe even more so than human beings. And how would we respond to that? And so they're just well-written. They're a great combination of big issues and little things that make people. And so I'm just devouring them. You know nice. what I mean? I was very happy to pick those up. And I love when you when you find out that out. And I'm always happy when, it's, okay, a new book out in that series. I might even stop reading what I'm currently reading when the John Sanford book comes out. I really like his Lucas Davenport books, and he's got multiple series. Another one of those that's a great summer read. And another one where it might have been Stephen King that said, if you're not reading John Sanford, you should be. It's, I trust you, Stephen King. And right. so I started reading those. So You, you don't want to know <laughs> how many books he receives for people wanting to get a little blurbs that it's very coveted to get that and he doesn't do it just because they're big and famous or because they're hot or because they paid money or anything he honestly if if it looks interesting he's read things that he just ran across literally saw it and said that looks good picked it up read it so he wrote a a column for entertainment weekly if i remember correctly for at least a year maybe even a little bit more and it was a great column because much of what you're talking about he wasn't doing it because his publicist said, hey, this guy could use a bump. He has wonderful, varied tastes and just talked about, here's movies that I like and, and here's books and, it's, and et cetera. I, it was that category that I love where if I didn't tell you about this, you might not find out about it. It's obscure, but you should seek out Blood Simple, the first Coen Brothers movie because it's excellent. You know what I mean? And, he, and out of his 50 columns, 40 of them were, maybe let me make a note. Right. Make sure that I and, listen to Stephen because and what he also about worked out just fine. I like yes. his tape. <laughs> and what he doesn't do is say, "Oh, I saw that and it sucked." Oh, I read that and it sucked. He just does. He just says, "These are the ones I like." He could have read fifty other books before he came across that one. He just doesn't say this sucked or I didn't like it. This yeah. is what I like. So. I really I mean that's so we we've, we've talked about doing this a little bit. On the show, we really should have book of the week, music of the week, whatever else it might be, because I think that we have enough knowledge of the field and reasonable enough taste, good taste, that we really could be, people have talked about how they take notes off of our podcast because right. we mention things. And that's, I don't know that I want to talk down why something isn't good. The whole world is such an amazing drinking from the high fire hose experience nowadays. There's so many things to choose from that it's important to steer people towards the good stuff maybe a little away from the bad but much more towards the good yeah. because there's so much stuff that unless you, you might not discover it on your own so if there really are i'm just finished reading like fantastic four has a new series they went away for 10 years in marvel because there was it doesn't matter they finally found the author and the artist that could do the fantastic four justice don't judge them by the movies the comic book series was often great and as i with comicsology now, I get to read more current stuff than I have for a long time. You had to wait for it to be a graphic novel in the library. You know what I mean? Once I stopped buying regularly, I really fell out of knowing what was going on. And now I get to be more current. So I really, when we were talking with Colin the other day, it was, I really do Tom King. I really, and certain authors yeah. that I really have come to care for. 
And it's because comicsology lets me read, oh, the wicked and profane. I read one graphic novel, but then they didn't have all of them, but now I can get to them all. So all that is in short saying, you and I would be really good sources of, hey, folks, don't miss it. You might not have heard of it, but this series on Netflix, really good. This paperback novels, and I tend to be a series reader more than individuals, you know what I mean? But all kinds of, we really could pepper the world with, don't miss this. It's really good. We've been trying. The Iron Druid books. Oh my God, they're so great. If you've not read those, the Benedict Jaca Alex Veris books. Oh my God, you should read those. We've been trying on the show notes. (laughs) If people are listening and they don't go to the website, they should, because just about every show has links to books, to movies, music, playlists. We've been putting stuff like that up there. But that's, we should go back. Not all of our episodes have great extensive show notes. Not all of them are transcripted, but we've got programs to do all that. That's what we should do. Compile the great, big, relentless geekery book of recommendations. Honestly, Stephen, that's really a good, how many are we at? I've lost track. 80 episodes or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 80 something. 84. So. You know, when we when we hit 100, that's officially like when a show used to get syndicated and that now it exists forever. So we right. really could start to put together these kinds of things. I, we really, a lot of what we talked about has not only been popular and everybody watches Game of Thrones, but if you don't know that George Martin did an anthology series called Wild Cards before, that was actually very good, The Great and Powerful Turtle, it really would be worth turning people on to. Yeah. Some of our favorites that, and as I go through the vaults, you know, right, right now it's been mostly comic books, but I'm going to just in going through this last year's book to get them off the stairs and box them up and bring them <laughs> to the vaults because they were getting, the stacks were getting too tottery. It's wonderful to go back and say, wow, this really was good. So I, yeah. I need to start taking notes for myself and we could do those little compilations and links and stuff like yes. that. And if we get all those sales through Amazon, I think we'll get like what? A buck 50 a year. Yeah. That's the way to riches well, right there. <laughs> for, the, for a comic book recommendation, I haven't read them, but Colin, who's been much more current on comics than we have, he just went through the whole IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. He said it's some of the best reading he's done in a long time of new stuff. And he's just absolutely loved it. He, he every he kept running out of his room to tell me about this. And every morning when he'd wake up, he'd say, oh, let me tell you what I read last night. So that's his comic recommendation. I did always love those, not just the early issues where it was silly and parody. They really have been, they created a whole cool universe that started with aspects of Marvel and grew into its own thing. And yeah. that's a good recommendation. Okay. The new, right. the newest one by IDW. They've rebooted IDW, it exactly. several years yeah. ago. So, so you mentioned uh, we getting our investing update. You mentioned you got flat. So that's something that we've been hearing. Everything's up. Things are up. You're doing good. You started with this much money. Now you got this much, I think, but then things went back. So when you say they were flat, what happened? And that really is pretty much what happened. The first two years, I was up um, 170% after two years, like the market was doing maybe not only eight, which is the usual actuarial number, not 18 or 28, like they'll do if it's markets doing well. I was well up on the market because I had invested lots of tech, lots of med tech, lots of communications, things that the, the were doing very well for a number of years. While the market was doing well, my high volatility growth stocks were doing even better. And then this last year with the transition from Trump to Biden, and all the uncertainty that the craziness of Trump followers are trying to inject into the system so they can retake power, 
and I don't mean to overly politicize it, but that really is a lot of what's happening is right. the market likes stability. The market likes thinking, if we just do our job and roads stay open and deliveries uh, happen, supply chains are available, all will be well. But what have we been reading about? Supply chains are disrupted. The pandemic is affecting not just us, but the entire world. The great resignation with people stopping all different kinds of jobs. And it isn't only the minimum wage jobs. It's that there's all kinds of people in tech that the big idea runs on the backs of. They're still getting relatively well rewarded, but not anywhere near what kinds of rewards the investors were getting, which is a terrible thing. But the, re what the, the take that I took when I started this off was think like a rich person. Think what insider information do they have? What big bets are they making? Be less only about holding on to your money, but taking on risk to get a reward. And that worked for two years. In the face of a lot of this uncertainty, and big caveat, wow, this is just all armchair quarterbacking, isn't it? There are so many levers, so many factors that go into all of this, that what I am mostly is frustrated and determined to hold on to the stuff I have, because I think that every single one of the companies that I have is a good company with good ideas, good management, will do things in the future. But this year was just, I ended up a percent down for this year after having been up 170. So I didn't give it all back. I'm still well up compared to what I started off with. And yet I wasted a year, if you will. You know what I mean? When I'm trying to get to um, 5X in the course of five years, you take a year off. It's now my things have to explode. Right. They have to go like gangbusters to make up for this straight line across instead of this nice steady upward slope. So I did light. I, I bought some new things. I did slight changes to existing things based on um, by reading a lot about the market and what Motley Fool was telling me about our confidence ratings for various different things. I got entirely out of certain things because, for instance, big real estate company made a, not only were they in handling information about things, but they actually started to buy houses and they thought that their algorithms would be able to say, we can buy these houses, flip them, if you will, and on a national level and in various different markets because we think that the things are going to go up. You know what? Their algorithms proved not to be true, and they got, or at least not as effective as they thought they were going to be. And so they got back out of that business, but took billions of dollars of loss. And that, of course, affects the um, price. And so I'm into Zillow and Redfin and Open Door because the real estate market is ripe for disruption. It really is that all the things you know about Remax and, and century and all those kind of things, there's so much money that goes into the withholding of information, not pure capitalism, not anywhere near good capitalism. It's much more guilt and withholding of information. And the more that these guys get in and say, we're in service to the customer, the home buyer, and to the seller to get you a fair price, but we're going to move all of those points of friction, all those points of tension. We're going to make it as easy as possible. And it shouldn't be that you can just like, hey, I flipped on my phone and bought a house today, but it sure should be that you don't have to, have to spend 10% when you should be able to do it for half a percent, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a number of, uh, and, and another, let's see, there was a, an Arabian country that had great prospects, but the more that it became obvious that they couldn't trust the accounting cap that is generally accepted accounting principles, they're not everywhere. Much of us and Europe and Australia, if you will, the first world, that you really can trust the books and there's penalties for being fraudulent and so forth. 
you start to get into China, for instance, and there's so much government intervention and perhaps collusion that it isn't as trustworthy. A lot of people are still pouring money into China because, good Lord, the market is huge and the opportunity is there. But it's not, you can't compare apples to apples in terms of, do I really know what the risk factor is, what the key is, okay? So I got out of at least the one Arabian country that looked to be, well, there's actually now lawsuits being filed. You know what I mean? That people are saying, maybe you cook the books on your sales and how much really, and at least one Chinese company, C Limited, where it, a lot of the expectations for the future, they didn't seem to be in line with what they were really capable of. Other competitors entering the market, the combination of what's well, kind of Hong Kong based, still very influenced by China because China now does own Hong Kong. And as much as they fake as if it's an independent colony, They've also had terrible, okay, rioters, we're jailing all 10,000 of you because we're not going to cotton to that. And hopefully nothing happens bad with Taiwan, which they won't even call Taiwan. It's the, not, not quite Formosa, but it's the Republic, Island Republic of China. I wish I don't want to use whatever term they've come up right. with. <laughs> so I think I'm out of all the, I have a hundred different companies in my portfolio and I've pulled back from six based on that kind of news. Officer that, a big change in officers and we don't trust the new management as much. An officer that we found out we really couldn't trust because they did shenanigans. Competitors entering the market, et cetera. But having said that, I am still in, and, and for instance, MedTech. I really, I am happily into who's winning the game. BioNTech, Pfizer, Moderna, certain. I don't know that I'm betting on how we're going to solve the coronavirus, but I'm into full gen genetics, for instance, which does, which does the genetic testing that's going to help us figure out all those different issues and things about diabetes, things about field treatment for cancer that at first was like, man, that's mean like wear a magnet to stop yourself from getting seasickness. That's bullshit. No, they're actually proving efficacy of closed systems like brain cancers. You, the operating on a brain cancer, it, it isn't the best way to go because it's such a traumatic horrible infection possible the person is never the same way to go if you will right but if you can use fields electric fields to get the cancer to shrink because you disrupt at the point of mitosis how it can grow more cancer cells it's out of wonderful science fiction but they're showing it works those are some of the bad side will that happen next year might take a while for everybody to adopt the da vinci robots that intuitive surgical makes use of to do remote operation and yet that's the way to go this robot in this hospital gives you access to all different kinds of things that you might not have the staff that is skilled enough specialized enough to do these various different things but from remote you can call in the world's experts and be able to do exactly that pancreatic operation that you couldn't do otherwise right so i know i'm dropping a whole bunch of names in here but like tesla i'm into tesla and they are a huge success story. I'm like 400% up with them um, wow. because they're doing everything right. It's not only that they have the car thing going, they have better battery tech. They, 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 as they get their cars out into the market, it's not, that was all um, nice stories, but not reality. It's actually that the cars are proving to be amazingly good quality and that there's still a lot of um, pushback against automated driving. That is driver, not involved driving. And there have been, accident but i guess the whole point is really more accidents than um distracted by your phone drivers drunk drivers teenagers that take too much risk drivers and i was going to say please teenagers i'm not defaming you but the statistics support 
that your brain is not fully formed about how to take risk until you're like 25, that your parents' insurance company raised her rates so much is because now you're on the policy and you're a much worse risk than your mom and dad. Who haven't said that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, right. Um, yeah, we should I, do a whole thing on automated driving because I <laughs> read a bit more about that and yeah. statistics. It's, and- it's, I, I Just that there's so much tech that goes into, I really, the, the, there might be a few mistakes and we have to figure out how to handle that, the tragedy of it appropriately and legally and stuff like that. But the that it's going to make for all of that. I'm getting too tired, but I won't stop. I, there are not enough people in horrible, bad traffic situations are paying attention enough. People want perfect, and that's impossibly expensive, but we've already got excellent, and we have to get to where the money and the law and everything else aligns with excellent, because right now we're ready to do all the trucking via, that's if you will, big city driving with all the various different things going on around you is a much different problem than I'm on an interstate and I've got two, three, four right. lanes and it's even divided from oncoming traffic. And I only have so many things to look for on the sides, rails, white lines, et cetera. It's, we could be automating all kinds of things partially, just like segways didn't make it into the regular um, population, but in big warehouses, like and post offices and stuff like that, they're fantastic. Letting people be able to move that much farther and safely. And it's like, we have right. to find the right uses for these yes. things. I love so. that. So, <laughs> so, so um, looking ahead to this year with things, uh, COVID are once again, completely up in the air, it seems. My company's conference that goes on at the end of January for the second year in a row, it's been postponed. And they just literally canceled it days ago. It was supposed to go on in three weeks. So with all these- I'll leave to the same boat. They're still talking about doing it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Either. And, is here. Anyway. and with all the supply problems and stuff, I've got some Kickstarters that were supposed to be delivered a year ago, and I'm just starting to hear that they're coming. So what, what's the outlook for this year you're investing? Stubborn in terms of, <laughs> I think that the fundamentals behind these companies are there. And it might be that instead of my getting my 5X in five years, it'll take seven. But there's nothing that I want to bail out of except all the ones where the fundamentals weren't good. Having said that, The Motley Fool just announced its second ETF, an exchange-traded fund, where it's the equivalent of a mutual fund, but not in every way. But what it is for the things that I have most concentrated on, small and mid-cap stuff that have all the right fundamentals, that have high confidence levels that it is going to, um, there's more risk involved, but it has a really good chance of paying off. Now they have a fund that covers 150 of those. And so I'm contemplating why am I paying attention personally to hundred on my own when I could just point at this thing and put all my money into it or half my money or whatever else it might be and let them do all the work of still maintaining what stocks to pick, what confidence levels they have, how much money they're in and out. And my not having to be, Oh, uh, th- that's now a gold instead of a silver or a bronze. I should sell a little bit off of these guys to go more into the gold fund. I would have to prove to myself that my active management of my stocks, is going to give me a better return at a mutual fund of right. this ETF. I like doing it. I'm learning about all these things. It has very much more connected me with current markets, current technology, that kind of stuff. I like being knowledgeable about this, but I am aware that being able to reclaim that time back to more time at the vault, more time with Colleen, more time reading, it, maybe that's an okay way to go too. 
it's getting your oil changed at Walmart as opposed to doing it in your driveway again. <laughs> that kind of thing. Exactly. But um, the big question, as you said, what's my outlook is I'm very much holding on to everything and waiting for the market to recover. And I think as we get out of COVID, there's going to be an amazing burst as we get people back to work, back to being able to travel, supply chains eased. All of those are going to benefit my stuff and more so than like right now what we're seeing is a, a pullback to value fund and it's financial funds, oil. There's like pretty much 17 different market segments, if you will. And they go up and down like a big um, mixing board based on what the world thinks of the relative risk versus reward. And people retreat to the, the blue chips, the, and, and even if it's a tech company, they're now much more into the Microsoft and the Oracle and the Amazon than they are my more volatile thing. But when the market returns, Microsoft will make its nice steady 8 to 20% a year, whereas mine might make 100, and I'm still willing to take that bet because I don't have any losses. I have a downturn, but I haven't, don't have any paper losses. It's not that I'm selling it off and tucking my tail between my legs. I'm just impatient to be like, I got plans for that money. When Colleen and I are retired and we want to travel over to Europe, I was going to sell some of that Redfin. You know what I mean? It's I really have uh, the desire to have this story have a good ending. And right now it's, okay, the heroes are going to have to march across this wasteland to get to the next thing, but they're not going to march. They're going to make it. Or that is, they're not going to stop marching. They're going to make it. I have to be, I haven't seen any indications that I, wow. So much information that's out there that is like the yes, no that we were talking about. Be in the market or get out of the market entirely. The market's going to crash. Get into gold. <laughs> get into uh, Bitcoin. And I actually have Bitcoin and Ethereum because there's value to those things. Having a, a currency that's not only a fiat currency for various different countries, but there's no way that civilization will let that happen. There's no way that the world is going to so collapse even with the pandemic, even with crazies in power in certain countries, like it's the world is always moving forward and it's always going to need better medicine, better technology, better communications, more efficient energy, many of the things that I'm betting on. So a little bit of how we talked about this before, I not only invested in things that I think can make money, I want to create the future. I want to contribute to a better future. And if that's better ways of curing diseases and better ways of being able to cure transactions so that we can skip all the steps in Africa, South America, Asia, that we had to go through as first world countries to create a currency, establish uh, banking, then checking, then credit cards, then phone apps. If we can jump past all that with Mercado Libre, <laughs> a, I really believe in giving everybody the ability to have, if you have a phone, you have a bank. You have the ability to transact in the world instead of it being, I got to go to a, a, a currency exchange and give them 20% of my check to get it cash or whatever the current rates are. I know they're not good. I know that they shouldn't even be there. Right. Oh, yeah. Making money off the fact that they provide this service in a usurious So I want to create that better future. I'm not giving up on, hey, it's the pandemic. Back in your caves, everyone. Back into being scared, everyone. No, I think this is a better future and I want to be part of it. It's the Roddenberry dream. It's a world. Again, we've said this, and I, I truly believe this, that once we find a planet 
once we can get to another planet, once we find a planet that has other people, no longer is it American or Israeli or uh, South American, Brazil. It's no, you're from Earth, plain and simple. That's it. And it, so it, much we have to get there, don't we? Yeah. we have, you know what I mean? The fact that so much of this increased tribalism and hatred and prejudice is not that the world is shifting back to that. It's the dying gasp of the people that don't want that better world. They want this terrible world, in those terrible ways at least, to stay just where it is. Right. You know what I mean? And so it'll be generational change, but there's already all kinds of, you know, younger than me that are saying, wow, I, I just can't believe that's how you once did it. That's so inefficient. That's yes. so, like, <laughs> it gives so much power to people that don't deserve that power. Right. Get all the rent takers out of the way and have there be more real capitalism. And yeah. so, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? The Roddenberry future, the Carl Sagan future, all the science fiction and science fact that we've read, I want it to be that it really is mRNA technology is going to enable us to cure a whole host of different diseases. And I want those people to be given the funding and the government assistance mandate, uh, at least acceptance. I want the FDA to still be very careful in what they approve, but not to have the approval be based on keep that back because we got to get the, the lifestyle, uh, the lifespan of this drug from this right. much lobbying interest. They're trying to make it so you can't do a generic version of that yet. You know what I mean? There's right. just so much. Um, the corruption premium is high currently. And these forces are one of those things that's leveling that. Yeah. And I yeah. really believe in a lot of it until they get bought out and become corrupt. And who knows, then we'll start to cycle over again. You yeah. I mean? In some different new way, it's just a different level. Yeah. So, okay. Well, this. Can I get one final thing? Please. So I, Zynga, they make games. And yes. during the pandemic, lots of games did very well because people had time on hand. They, as the pandemic started to ease, they went down a little bit, but they still had established really good brands and so forth. Zynga just was announced that it's going to be acquired by Take-Two, another, oh. uh, and my Zynga stock went up 40% in a day wow. because they really, that Take-Two gives them new markets, new funding, new et cetera, et cetera. They might not like Take-Two went down 14%, if I remember correctly, because often the acquirer takes on also all the the debt, the hassle, the whatever. But my Zynga was always a very inexpensively priced stock, like six bucks. Whenever I do a whole bunch of stock things, often I'd have, uh, have 20 bucks left. I don't want to have just 20 bucks sitting there. Buy three shares of Zynga. <laughs> so I had accumulated quite a nice, nice. set of Zynga. And now I just got this wonderful premium for them. So by no at all special intelligence on my part, but a very nice, I believed in them. They were a good company. Right. And now somebody else believes in them enough to pay me extra money. A premium I'm, on the stock right. I'm going to add that to our list yeah, to talk about the changing world of the video games and how things are looking for the future, because I've been getting involved with that a lot more again. Uh, exactly. And, and I've like been studying the development things. center, the ability to do that and how I just read about Flutter, if I remember correctly, that it's now one of those places where used to be if you could develop for both Mac and Windows, you were golden. Now, of course, it's Android and iOS and, and for Xbox and stuff like that. And Flutter seems to be the latest entry that says you can develop one place and then just with small tweaks, compile for every single major platform. That's a very powerful place Ooh. to be in if you're trying to put together the, the next Angry Birds and it's right. available on everywhere. Well, that's <laughs> funny you mentioned that because that was going to be my 
update for the programming and Raspberry Pi and all that. So all right. one of the things I've been working on, I've got a couple things with wanting to create hybrid cross-platform mobile app. And I say hybrid because I was using Cordova or wanting to use Cordova because it fit with the Twine program, which right. exports everything into HTML, CSS, which I can import into Cordova. But I also have this idea for a, a story, a GPS triggered story-based app. It's not new and original. It's, we talked about the tours, other companies do it, but I wanted to write and build my own. So I've been working with Cordova, which is the open source of what used to be PhoneGap, but I think it's starting to get to be abandoned. I have tried it on several different systems and I cannot get everything set up to just work. There's, it's been way too much uh, time, effort, hassle, struggle, trying to figure out the problem. And, and there, you want that set of foundation classes to just like work with current stuff and be yes. fixed, but it stops working, but not by you. It yeah. Be, okay. And okay. it's always this, this little problems, like the latest thing. If you have the latest Google APIs or Droid and you do Cordova, you have to manually go in and change several file extensions or the thing's not going to work. And it's, why do I have to do that? Why it's, it, it detects everything else detect it and fix it. Be a pre-compiler. There should be an installer. There should be a something yes. that, that does preparation for a new platform. So it's fallen behind, but I, I hear a lot that uh, the progressive web apps, PWA apps are okay. taking over. So I think that might be why it's starting to fall. So I, I'm not abandoning Cordova, but I'm like, I have wasted way too much time. I'm going to look elsewhere for some of yeah. the things you I want to You want to spend your time on your ideas and yeah. your novel things, not like it's correcting typos or making sure it's in the right column. Like you used yeah. to have to do in Fortran. I date myself, but man, every time that one of those things stopped, that there was not, you didn't have to have a strong typing of every variable to stop the um, character in a numeric field type stuff. If a computer should fix this for me, right. this should not be a problem. Garbage collection routines. It should manage memory uh, for me. Uh, thank so, God we don't have to do go sub anymore. <laughs> exactly. So, so okay. So that's the update for the programming. I'm still playing around. And, and that's why I want to talk games maybe next week or two. We'll do games because I've been looking at a lot of things. But I did get the 3D printer. Reality Ender 3 version 2. Okay. It's definitely the home market. It's a kit. Uh, I looked at the presses. You're right. Those are very nice machines. Big. They're a lot bigger than that for the most like part. a dedicated desktop for it instead of, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And I... I'm not sure. Do those come pre-assembled? Do you buy it or do you, you put it together? You can do both. And I okay. think you save like 500 bucks or something by having right. you build it yourself instead of they building it. You know? right. so okay. So the Ender, it's a kit you put together. And okay, we know this is not a top of the line machine. I paid 150 bucks for it. So I'm not getting a Cadillac. I get that. that that's worth something to try it out. And to see. Exactly. I will say if you get a Creality Ender, don't even bother looking at the manual. Do not go to their website and use their video to put it together. They all suck horribly. Oh. It's terrible. So there's another resource out there that you Oh, God. There's three million. The community okay. uh, has oh, so okay. much. On, I, I just went and looked at a couple and I'm like, this looks good. I like that the way this guy is explaining it. And I followed and I got it put together without lots of problems. How many times have you put tech together? Back in the day, building a computer, you flip it on, there's no power, nothing. 
Right, know, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And you got to go back and reread. Like, oh, here no. you go, Al. <laughs> or you get the post beeps and you have to look up too short and long. What's that post? Yeah, there you go. Right. Here, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. So I finally got it together. It took a couple hours. I was taking my time watching the okay. video. Um, <laughs> and it's mostly working, except I ran into a little issue with feeding the filament. Just the where they have the motor and the gears to feed the filament, it has a spring release. And when you uh, grab that, it turns the filament just so slightly so it doesn't line up with the hole. Oh, and then when you let go, you can't keep pushing it. It's not lined up. And How interesting is that? Because that it's precise. It has to be precise. Yeah. But okay. it's just getting it into the tube to go to the nozzle. Once you get okay. it through that next little bit. Then it you, pulls it with a little tracker or whatever yeah, like that. it takes that. care okay. of all of it. So yeah. yeah. The problem is you, when I, and I've said this around here and, and Gina said, just put it on the dining room table and set it up. I'm like, we can't leave it there. She's why not? And I think that's the problem. A lot of people don't get is these 3d printers are not like dot matrix or inkjets where you just, just set it up. it up. Yeah. You don't <laughs> just it, plug it in and it works because my cousin's grandson, the great grandma got him a 3d printer for Christmas and he's seven. And I'm like, Gary, oh. This isn't a seven-year-old thing. It's going to take you hours to put it together and then tweak and futzing with it. And then when it doesn't print right after eight and a half, because I told Gina, I said, Gina, we can't put it on the table because it will take eight and a half hours to print. You jiggle it with somebody walking by and it's ruined. Oh, I had said that, but I don't think people understand unless they're really thinking and seeing it. So- I, I still have a little work to do to get okay. the final bit. But uh, other than that, I'm loving the printer. It feels very solid. Not I'm very envious. I'm, that's really cool. You'll have to do regular reports because I just, yes. first time you hold up your first little player, your little piece, your little right. troll or whatever, uh, it's going to be. That's fun. the other thing I don't think people realize is, again, it's not like opening a Word document, hitting print and getting your papers, that every printer is a little different. So you might get a file but you might have to adjust it for your printer and your profile. And that uh, I'm learning all these terms, but for example, the one this guy said, like Darth Vader, you have Darth Vader holding his arm with the lightsaber out. The printer cannot print without the support. So you have to sometimes go into the CAD program essentially and add a support, mark it as a support. So when it comes just to hold it up while it's printing, and right. then you just break and it then off. You're going to set, yeah, you're going to trim it right. off. Okay. And there's ah. lots of, and the other thing you got to worry about is if their like head is sticking over underneath here, this is all open. You can't just right. leave it open. It just falls off. So you have to maybe slice it and do it in, in more than one print, or you have to put the support there and there's structures internally, but things hang when it's printing. It's just, it. All these little and, things. And how much do you have to either make it solid or honeycomb it or what different kinds of honeycomb yes. you can use to give you the right amount of structural strength per filament? Yes. So I've read a lot about this without having gotten one because I really wanted to have a better way of what am I going to buy based on what I want to do right. and which ones handle the things that I care about the most. If I was just going to create square pieces for Soma, there's a different printer than if you're creating a realistically good Darth Vader. Yes, so, exactly. Okay. 
And yeah. and the results I saw when things are adjusted and it looked really good and good filament. The other thing is the slicing is how it goes through and does each layer. And each printer is different there too. Different nozzle sizes, different size of what you're printing, uh, different thickness of each la layer. So you could have your Pressa and have totally different number of layers than I have with my Ender. So my I have to compile the image to work with my printer. So people don't realize all of these types of things. It's yeah. a little futzing. It, again, it feels more like I'm back in the early 90s. I'm buying parts to build a computer and then I'm installing Linux and typing install make for you know everything. Exactly. Compile, build, all make. the drivers that you need based on your drive, your bus, your right. you know what I mean? You had to make sure the drivers matched and that they were current and that oh, very interesting. Yeah. I kind of love doing that. But yes. it really is. I always thought about it. It's like, man, thousands of one things that could go wrong. And I conquered them all and got it to work. Yes. But it wasn't just, okay, machine, turn on. You really had to take care. You had to take your time. Yeah. Exactly. And learn a lot about how to troubleshoot it. You know what I mean? If this yeah. doesn't work, I can't just take it apart and try again. There's got to be a minor thing I can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing when we were talking. Computers are great. And I, I love it because you got your Mac. We got Windows. You buy a system all done with the OS installed. You turn it on and you use it. That's great. But you and I both grew up in the days when that wasn't the thing. That's why I love my Raspberry Pi. That's why I love this 3D printer because it's that whole DIY maker mindset that people are really? into. And yeah. I get that really. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's kind of funny. I think I got away from that a lot because I really wanted to be about what was I writing? What was I working on? But then after a while, I realized I was missing. It's yeah. its own cool activity to figure it all out, to make right. something like it really could have gone wrong and I didn't let it. I made this work. There's pride in that. There's yeah. understanding of what's going on in it that helps me in every other aspect of my using. And, and the more that I've become like cars nowadays, right? You don't listen to it and then go tweak something. You right. plug in the diagnostic thing and it'll, yeah. And so all those good old mechanics, they're like bereft because they don't have a car to tinker with anymore. Yeah. It's all computer. Oh, yep. okay. All right. So I'll keep you updated. Hopefully I'll get something printed by next week. I'm going to mess with the filament. The thing is I got to move it just to mess with it and then put it back because okay. I don't want to leave it in the dining room. It. It's very important that it all be yeah. leveled perfectly. I, that's, I, I knew that when I committed to getting one, I was going to have to see that's the dedicated, heavy, stable table <laughs> right. that I'm going to put it on. And indeed, it isn't where I could bump it with my hip. Oh, there goes three hours of printing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's what we'll come across. But again, it, it was 150 bucks. It's fun to play with. And so if I get a couple cool little prints and then I get the bug and want to upgrade, I need to get a desktop. I need to get a new laptop. And we really are talking about getting an Oculus 3D because my cousin's got one. And right. you got to join in. I hear well, you. Well, because we could play Star Trek Bridge Crew. Okay. So. Absolutely. If that's if there's no other reason to get an Oculus, it's to play <laughs> Star Trek Bridge Crew. Everybody gets their own assigned on the bridge. That's exactly awesome. <laughs> so, all right. Oh wait, before we go, one last thing. I got trivia for you. Trivia. We'll you mentioned yes. yes. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> what was since the new Boba Fett shows on, which you haven't watched? Right. What was Boba Fett's first appearance? So it wasn't like, you know, second movie, number five? Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. No. Huh. 
in a comic book instead of a movie? Oh, but, no. Actually, I thought you'd know this one. That's that's no, interesting. I, I don't. Okay. So was he I, in the bar scene, but not speaking? Was he like no, visible no. because of the distinctive helmet? Okay. I'm going to say this because the answer has actually recently changed. And that's why I was saying the trivia. So his first appearance has been the holiday special. There was a little cartoon in it that introduced Boba Fett in the holiday special. Okay. Okay. But there's a new documentary on Disney about when they came out with the show that actually, um, in before the holiday special came out during the summer, Marin County was doing a parade. And since Lucas is there, they said, hey, could we get some Star Wars people? So they actually <laughs> used costumes from the movie. There were actors walking in the parade in the actual costumes and they sent the Boba Fett costume. So, his so first, anybody who knew Star and Star Wars was yes. going like. That that was it. They talk about that, that nobody knew who this character was walking with Darth Vader. What a great teaser on Lucas's part. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that what a and what a great piece of trivia, too. I I have never read that reference that he actually was first in live action in a parade, if you will. Yeah. That's the first time I heard it. Show a cartoon, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Very cool. The the cartoon is on Disney Plus. It's in the Legends stripe. You see that. So, in fact, I, I, I have looked into, I've not watched all the legends because it's, I, I don't know, I just haven't. There's, boy, there's too many things to watch. Wipeout is, oh my God, I'm not watching all these important things. They got the old Ewoks and Droids cartoons, which are for kids. Okay. For uh, kids. They've exactly. got that one from the holiday special. They do have the original Gendy Tartakovsky uh, Star Wars when they did it on Cartoon Network for three minute episodes. They have that on there. That, so. it's, it's cool. None of that goes away. It's all digitized. Now, yeah. Out there forever. And I love when they do that kind of repackaging, reintroduction. That I, I think I mentioned, I get all, all kinds of CD box sets that are like the first three, the first five albums from a band. And if I like them, I really do. So I just got the Stray Cats one. And I, that's one of the things I made an allusion to. Man, when you're in the mood for rockabilly, it's just the right thing. It's yeah. just, I know that they're simple songs. I know that it's a particular genre of music. But getting a whole bunch of Stray Cat strut-ish songs in a row is just like, I'm just ready to go outside yeah. and shovel the snow now because I'm well, inter- I know. added that to the list. So we'll talk more about Stray Cats in the future. There we and, go. And, okay. uh, Brian Setzer. <laughs> exactly. So. All, right, All right, man, we got to go. Exactly. Long session. Thanks very much, yeah. Stephen. Later. Bye. Okay. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.